document, which owes its origin to the idea that after the defeat of Hitler in 1945, Stalin might want to know something in real detail about his fellow dictator. The immediate origins lie with the Soviet secret police. In 1945 and 1946, they were under direct instructions from Stalin to try to learn as precisely and truthfully as possible the circumstances of Hitler's death in the bunker on 30 April 1945, and to confirm that he was indeed dead. The report, produced under the codename Operation Myth, was based on extensive, often grueling interrogation of the few eyewitnesses in Soviet hands, including Hitler's personal assistant and valet, Heinz Linge, and one of his military adjutants, Otto Gunsche. Hitler's death was confirmed by a report finally produced in 1946. The Soviet authorities indeed possessed the jawbones and dental work of both Hitler and Eva Braun, the mistress he married shortly before they killed themselves. But several years later, the Information Committee of the Soviet Security Ministry decided to use this material as the starting point for a study of the Third Reich which could be presented to Stalin himself. A short account of the Battle of the Bulge was produced in April 1948 and given to Stalin and the members of the Politburo, the inner political cabinet of the Soviet Communist Party. Stalin placed the account in his personal files, and the committee decided to go ahead and authorize a complete survey of Hitler and the Third Reich based on further testimony wrung out of the unfortunate Linga and Guncha. The final document, 413 typewritten pages, under the innocuous title of dossier, or file, the Russian word dielo, was sent to Stalin on 29 December 1949, just after his extensive 70th birthday celebrations. It was also filed away, and eventually, after Stalin's death, a copy was deposited in a general department archive where it was discovered only two years ago by Matthias Uhl, who is the joint editor of this published edition. The book itself was written by two security service officers, Fyodor Paparov and Igor Saleev. It was not the first account of Hitler from first hand, but certainly the fullest. In 1945, British interrogators asked Albert Speer, Hitler's favorite architect and later armaments minister, to draft some long reports on Hitler's personality, on his entourage, and on the course of German foreign and military policy. Speer obliged, but the resulting lengthy accounts were also filed in the archive and have resurfaced only in the past few years. In 1943, the American psychiatrist Walter C. Langer was asked by General Donovan, head of the Office of Strategic Services in Washington, to produce a personality profile of Hitler to help American leaders understand what Hitler might do next. Langer's profile, based heavily on conventional psychological diagnosis, was eventually published in 1972 under the title The Mind of Adolf Hitler, though the full documentation has only recently been declassified by the United States National Archives. Langer and the three colleagues who worked with him were able to base the profile on interviews with Germans who had known Hitler closely, but had since fled from Germany.
None of this secret material was available to the Soviet researchers. The richest source on Hitler, which they may well have consulted at some point, was the biography written by the émigré journalist Konrad Haydn under the title Der Führer, published in 1944. But this account, for all its many merits, covered the story only as far as 1934. The hardcore of the Hitler dossier produced for Stalin lies in the years after 1935. We can only speculate about what Stalin thought when he read the dossier prepared by his security ministry. Matthias Uhl found no jottings or marginalia in the version he uncovered, which for Stalin was unusual. The dictator covered his own books and papers with comments, exclamation marks, and underlinings. The former Soviet premier under Stalin, Vyacheslav Molotov, later recalled that if Stalin did decide to read something, he did so with full and scrupulous attention. It is possible that in this case he felt inhibited from writing, given that at some point his colleagues might read his comments on his chief adversary. Or it may be that he only looked at it, knowing that this was not something that would ever see the light of day in his lifetime. The dossier is significant not so much for the speculation that Stalin might have read it, but for what it might have told him about Hitler's personality and political behavior. There were some obvious similarities between the two men, at least some of which Stalin must have already recognized long before the report. Both were populist politicians whose fortunes were transformed by a profound social and political crisis that helped them gravitate from the political margins to the political center. Both were outsiders in another sense. Stalin from Georgia, annexed to the vast Russian Empire in 1806, Hitler from Austria, which was joined to its larger German neighbor only briefly, between 1938 and 1945. Both men were revolutionary in outlook, impatient to change the old order, critical of conventional bourgeois Europe, ambitious enough to want to reshape world history. Though propelled a good deal by individual good fortune and propitious historical circumstances, Stalin and Hitler achieved dictatorship because they each enjoyed an extravagant appetite for power and had the ruthlessness, political cunning, and uncritical belief in their calling to be able to transform that ambition into reality. The techniques they each used to sustain the dictatorship, from the unscrupulous use of the security apparatus through to the overblown cults of personality, bore the same stamp. They both enjoyed, despite the terrible destruction that each unleashed, widespread and unrestrained public adulation. Soldiers really were heard to mutter Stalin's name as they dashed into battle. No other man in German history could ever have got his fellow countrymen to lift their arm and speak his name every time they greeted each other. Indeed, so remarkable are these apparently trivial achievements that it compels the conclusion that in their different ways Stalin and Hitler exerted forms of direct personal authority unlike anything the modern age had yet seen. The dossier presented Stalin with a picture consistent with the popular caricature of Hitler current throughout Europe in the 1930s. 
some sense of the extraordinary character of the German dictator emerges, but the emphasis is on attempting to show Hitler as an abnormal individual. Allegations about his odd sexuality, or his habit of throwing unpredictable rages, or the assertion that he chewed the carpet in fits of hysterical anguish, was the stuff of contemporary gossip and hearsay, but is reproduced here to underline Hitler's uncertain mental state. The authors of the Hitler profile wanted to damn fascist leaders as licentious as well. At one point, Hitler is described sniggering over photographs of naked Parisian dance girls, a possibility quite out of step with everything else that is known about Hitler's prudishness and self-restraint. At another point, the Italian dictator Benito Mussolini is said to spend his time at Salo, capital of the rump fascist republic set up with German support in 1943 indulging in orgies with a bevy of beautiful young Italian women. The efforts to paint a lurid image of dictatorial indulgence were underpinned by the stock Marxist assumption that Hitler must have been the tool of German capitalism. This was the prevailing model in the 1930s and 1940s of a German big business class thrown into crisis by the 1929 slump and forced to hire Hitler and his street rowdies to keep the working class under control and later to conquer markets in Eastern Europe. There are a number of descriptions in the book where Hitler is host at lavish receptions for Germany's business elite, replete with every luxury and liquor. On one occasion, dated only autumn 1935, and apparently remembered by Linga more than a decade later, Hitler called wealthy bankers...